Well, good evening, everybody. My name's Robin Archer, and I'm the director of the Ralph Miliband Program here at the London School of Economics. And it's uh, my tremendous pleasure tonight to introduce our speaker, a distinguished student of social movements, which, as many of you know, is the theme for the Ralph Miliband Program this year, uh, Professor Donatella Della Porta. Uh, Professor Della Porta is currently the Professor of Sociology at the European University Institute, and she's the author of, or the co-author or the editor of a truly enormous number of books. Um, by my count, she's, the, uh, she's connected to 50 books, over 50 books, over 60 chapters in books, and if I'm right, over 90 articles in scholarly journals. So um, it's no small wonder, I think, that she's attracted the attention of a lot of people in her field. She's written extensively not just about social movements, the area in which perhaps her work is most well-known, but also about the policing of protest, about participatory democracy, and somewhat about terrorism and political corruption. And her, her work in general in these areas was recently acknowledged when she won the prestigious Marty Dogan Prize for achievement in European political sociology. I think it's a mark of her distinction that she should be recognised by her peers uh, in this way. Currently, uh, Professor Della Porta is working on a... is the director of a, a new, large, comparative research project. I believe it's called Mobilising for Democracy, which deals with the participation of civil society in the democratisation process and looks at a series of areas of the world, Europe, the Middle East, Asia... Uh, also Latin America. And it's on some of the themes connected to that work that she's going to speak to us tonight. So I ask you to join me in welcoming our speaker, Professor Donatella Della Porta. Thank you very much. Thank you for this very kind presentation. And thank you for having invited me uh, to give this uh, Ralph Miliband lectures. Although I never had uh, the pleasure to meet Ralph Miliband when I was a student in sociology a long time ago in Sicily, so long time ago and very far away, uh, Ralph Miliband was uh, a very important uh, uh, sociologist who has inspired several uh, of uh, us. The question uh, then was more uh, about classes than about social movements. And I think, uh, and this is what I want to show also in the, uh, this presentation, that uh, it is relevant to bridge again uh, uh, somewhat better the issues of class with the issues of uh, social movements. For a long time, these two questions uh, have grown quite apart and uh, an American uh, uh, sociologist Jeff Goodwin just wrote uh, uh, a piece on the strange disappearance of capitalism from social movement studies. And I think the work of uh, uh, Ralph Miliband could be important in uh, uh, accompanying a sort of uh, 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 going back to class issues in uh, uh, social movement research. In this presentation, I'm not yet going back to class, but what I would like to do is uh, uh, to discuss the ways in which 
changes in the capitalism system are reflected in changes in democracies uh, and how this brings about the development of uh, uh, social movements that tend to uh, oppose these changes. The topic of the presentation is quite ambitious. Can democracy be saved? Uh, I don't expect to give a full answer to this. But what I want to point at is the fact that although we are living in a time of crisis uh, of democracy, there are uh, as well uh, some opportunities that are uh, developing outside uh, of uh, the spaces which are normally considered as the proper space uh, for uh, democracy and democratizations to happen, but which are very important. So the question, the question I want to address is uh, how and if uh, social movements which tend to be considered by uh, conservative uh, politicians and conservative uh, uh, social scientists as well as a danger for democracy can instead represent a sort of uh, uh, opportunity for the development of democracy. And I want to do this in uh, uh, several steps. First of all, uh, I want to single out some models of democracy because I think too often uh, we tend to identify uh, in mainstream political science and sociology democracy with representative institutions. And I think uh, uh, this is uh, not uh, uh, correct. Second, I want to see which specific models of democracy is at the moment under challenge and why. And third, I want to see the role that social movements that contest in particular austerity policies might have in the development of uh, not only uh, alternative uh, social policies but also alternative uh, democratic conceptions and practices. And uh, Along the way, starting with some notions of political theory, I want, however, to use a lot the reference to uh, various research projects we are engaging in uh, based on surveys, uh, protest event analysis, and frame analysis in order to see how these movements can uh, indeed contribute to saving democracy rather than uh, uh, just challenging it. What is democracy and uh, uh, which is the model of democracy which is challenged and which are alternative models of democracies which can be activated uh, in order to address uh, 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 nowadays crisis? Usually, political scientists and sociologists have mainly addressed liberal democracy. The mainstream discourse is... Uh, uh, a democracy of the modern is too complex for the normal citizens to address. Uh, we need to delegate power to a few uh, uh, experts of politics or the so-called politicians. And this model of, of democracy is also characterized by a main ideas which developed especially in uh, political science. It is that uh, interest, preferences, uh, identities are created outside 
of the democratic uh, uh, arena. And the democratic arena is like a market. It is a place where uh, uh, citizens make demands and politicians uh, uh, offer uh, different uh, uh, various alternatives. So this model of democracy is uh, delegated uh, rather than participatory. And it considers uh, uh, democracy especially as uh, a game uh, in which what is democratic uh, is uh, based on the rules to attribute winning and uh, who is winning and who is losing. And this happens to uh, majority votes. I, I will show later that this is the model of democracies, which is nowadays the most challenged uh, uh, by social movements, but also because of uh, uh, internal transformations. However, there are also two axes of alternatives. One is more traditional, and social movements have stressed uh, uh, these dimensions uh, uh, for a long time. Uh, I've listened by internet to the lecture that Craig Calhoun gave here, and this stressed a lot the participatory ethos uh, of social movements. Social movements and the labor movements, first of all, uh, have been the carriers of an alternative ideas of democracies, radical participatory democracies. The idea there is that politics uh, is not any issues only for the expert and the, uh, those who are delegated through votes, but democracies is uh, uh, something all the citizens need to participate into. And this for various reasons. One is that through participation, citizens are socialized uh, into commitment to the public good, but also participation legitimate a system uh, which cannot be legitimated only through electoral uh, type uh, of mechanisms. And also citizens brings in good ideas. So participatory uh, democracies has always been based on a very uh, different type of uh, assumptions than the delegated ones. Uh, true nations cannot be governed by citizens in squares, but there is a need of many squares in many places. Democracy is not only an issue of parliaments and governments, but it is also an <coughs> issue of uh, factories, schools, neighborhoods, and so on. And in these citizens must play a main role because they have the expertise and the commitment to participate. And this has been, have been ideas which have not just been floating in normative theories, but very often have influenced democratic transformations in states and societies. So democracy has always been representative, but it always had uh, also an aspect of radical participations by the citizens. Most recent reflection uh, on uh, democratic development has also stressed another point, which is very important for new conceptions of demo democracy uh, carried out and defended by uh, social movements. Uh, democracy is not only the place in which the majority wins, 
But if we want to have well-functioning democracies, uh, what needs to be done is to create arenas in which ideas, preferences, identities are created. So the problem is not just counting, like in a market, uh, which preferences are, are built outside of politics, but the uh, good quality of a democratic policies is made uh, by the creation of uh, public spheres, uh, said Habermas, uh, uh, public places, free places, in which what is important is not the moment of voting, but it is the moment of discussing the quality of the discourse. And this, as I'm going to show, is a, a very fundamental message by uh, social movements nowadays. Uh, I, I singled out two of these models because one uh, developed more uh, in political theory with some type of elitist uh, aspects. The idea was that uh, um, well-educated people use reasons and find uh, solutions through uh, discourses. The uh, models which is more uh, defended by social movements nowadays is a more participatory deliberative models of democracies in which what it is acknowledged is that uh, democracy is made by many public spheres where also subaltern peoples can bring in their own knowledge, their own commitment, their uh, own ideas and that it is not only reasons uh, or rationality which is at stake, but that emotions, um, Jim Jasper was here, uh, and uh, uh, he has stressed uh, a lot the importance of emotions for social movements. Emotions can contribute uh, to uh, developed uh, uh, new identities. So while the idea of democracy like a market is an idea in which people conflict uh, with each other on preconstituted ideas. The story of social movements, from the labor movements to the peace movements to the movements of nowadays, is a story in which identities are created, in which uh, uh, the class is made through uh, the uh, good quality discussions by the people who decide to give up a more selfish uh, defense of own uh, uh, type of interest and to build new identities. So consciousness, class consciousness is created in, in this type of uh, participatory and deliberative uh, uh, arenas. What happened with uh, liberal democracy? Not only in uh, the uh, recent evolutions of democracies, uh, uh, the, uh, some very aspects of the original model of the liberal uh, democratic uh, state have been transformed, but there has been more and more uh, a sort of uh, criticism, distancing uh, from the idea that citizens have a right to participate. I want to show two anecdotes, or to present two anecdotes, which I think are quite telling in terms of developments towards what uh, my former colleague Colin Crouch calls post-democracy. 
the liberal democracies of nowadays uh, have degenerated, have deteriorated. Uh, they have degenerated and deteriorated into sort of uh, strong mistrust of the citizens. Uh, I, I, I take the example of uh, uh, my own premier, Mario Monti, but he's not the only one to, to uh, support these uh, ideas of democracies. What happened with the development of austerity policies? Uh, more and more, the idea was that uh, nowadays what counts are not the citizens, but the market. Three statements by Mario Monti were much discussed, uh, and I think they are telling of a trend which is quite widespread in our societies. When he was criticized by the business associations and the trade unions who accused uh, his austerity politi uh, policies to create more problems than they solved, Mario Monti said, watch out. In this way, you increase the spread. That is, you in increase uh, the amount of money the Italian state has to uh, spend in order to uh, buy uh, uh, his uh, uh, bonds outside. So the idea was, if people criticize uh, the governments, the effect is insecurity on the market, and this is bad uh, for uh, the economy. Uh, in August 2011, Mario Monti also said, if governments allow themselves to be entirely bound to the decisions of their parliament without protecting their own freedom to act, a breakup of Europe would be a more probable outcome than deeper integrations. So not only associations who criticize the government uh, are economically dangerous because uh, uh, they uh, uh, risk to bring in uh, uh, more economic problems, but also parliaments in Mario Monsi visions, which is a quite widespread, I think, in our societies, should be kept under control. And when criticized in November 2012 uh, because of uh, the increasing uh, economic crisis, Mario Monti said, I do not respond to parties or the citizens, I respond to the market. And this is a quite widespread idea in the development of nowadays uh, democracies. Uh, once the uh, trust of the citizens was considered to be, at least in principle, important, more and more what is important is uh, the trust, what is considered to be important, is the trust of the investors, the pension funds uh, of uh, uh, the uh, uh, teachers uh, in Minnesota was uh, uh, among the most quoted uh, 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 ideas about uh, the um, uh, groups that could influence uh, Italian uh, politics. So what is the problem? Here is a declining trust in the uh, citizens. The same can be seen in uh, many uh, declarations uh, by uh, um, politicians, for instance, by politicians uh, uh, in the European Union. This is a picture uh, from a protest in my own university. Uh, and uh, uh, it happened in November 2011 during a speech 
by Herman uh, van uh, Rompuy, the president of the European Council, who, after having declared that Italy needs no reforms, uh, uh, it needs no elections, it needs reforms, so presented these conceptions of democracies. There is a time of parliamentary democracy, of the legislative procedures of votes. They work to get a majority. There is also the time of the public opinions, which needs to be convinced, taken along a road. And there is finally the time of the implementation. So also here, the conceptions of the citizens is a quite minimalistic one. The citizens are not there to give suggestions, are not there uh, to control the decisions uh, of the states, but they are considered to be uh, there just to be convinced, taken along the road. So conceptions of democracy which one could consider that's quite manipulative at the best. <coughs> Students uh, uh, protested, uh, saying uh, this is according to us, not democracy. And what is interesting in these pictures is that the students who symbolically uh, were uh, uh, appointed with the responsibility of expressing uh, the protest of the students, uh, of the students as a body, were from Ireland, Portugal, Spain, Greece, and Italy. That is the countries which are more suffering uh, from this uh, uh, declining trust in the citizens themselves. The effect of these situations uh, uh, is felt uh, in general and is uh, uh, indicated uh, uh, very often by uh, simple uh, data like the ones uh, presented in opinion polls. In Italy, we have done uh, uh, some surveys during uh, uh, anti-austerity demonstrations asking to uh, the protesters uh, uh, how much they trust, trusted the institutions. We have taken labor protest and peace protest, and the results were quite uh, um, impressive uh, in terms of uh, the very low trust that the citizens had towards the institutions. So it was sort of a reciprocal mistrust. Institutions trust less and less the citizens and the citizens trust less and less their institutions. And this affects several institutions. Uh, national parliaments had about 6% uh, uh, of people who trusted them, a lot or enough. Political parties, even less, about 6%. What was also shocking was that trade unions at quite low level uh, of trust. Even la labor protests which were organized by the unions enjoyed quite, uh, uh, the unions enjoyed quite small levels of support. But what it is interesting is also that these data are not just uh, uh, reflecting the opinions of radical uh, protesters. They are uh, uh, data which reflect exactly the opinions of the uh, Italian population. So uh, recent opinion polls said uh, uh, protesters are 
even slightly more uh, optimist than the populations about how much these institutions have to be trusted. Political parties in Italy have the trust of less than 4% of the Italian population. Uh, what is also striking is that this tr trust is diminishing. Uh, we had done uh, some service and anti-G8 protest in Italy, in Genova, uh, the counter-summit against the uh, uh, summit of uh, the G8 in Genova. And even though these uh, uh, activists who participated in the protest were maybe more radical uh, than the activists we interviewed in 2011, their level of trust in political parties and parliaments was much higher. So it means in uh, uh, 10 years, trust uh, among protesters in uh, the uh, national parliaments went from almost 20% to 6%. Trust in political parties went to 25% to uh, uh, 5% in average among those who protested. Italy is a particular case, we know, pathological uh, type of democracy, but the situation in terms of trust in parties, uh, uh, membership uh, uh, of political parties, uh, trust in uh, uh, representative institutions uh, is not very different in other countries. Even in the countries in which this indicator were more rosy, there is a, a sharp decline. What is the problem? Uh, protesters in Spain, uh, in the squares of uh, the Indignados protest, uh, addressed specific type of criticism to this type of democracy. Le llaman democracia in olo es. They call it democracy, but it is not such. I think this is uh, a, a quite uh, widespread, uh, or a slogan which very well synthesized, uh, a very widespread uh, belief uh, in the social movements of the years 2011 and 2012. What used to be called democracies, it is no longer such. Uh, in different terms, uh, Colin Crouch said, uh, uh, democracies are transforming themselves in post-democracies because they are giving up uh, their uh, previous engagement in uh, reducing social inequalities and controlling the forces of uh, uh, the market. And in fact, the social movements uh, uh, whose documents we have analyzed in a uh, research project are carried out in Italy but also in other countries together with Mary Calder at, at LSE. Uh, these uh, uh, movements reflect exactly these uh, conceptions of the degenerations of democracy uh, nowadays. Uh, liberal democracies are considered more and more to be corrupted. <coughs> corrupted in two ways. Corrupted uh, in uh, uh, the literal terms of the words, scandals of political corruptions, the last one uh, erupted in uh, Spain in the last week, but they have hit also countries which uh, 
thought of themselves as clean. The uh, president of uh, uh, the uh, German Republic had to resign last year because of scandals related uh, with corruption. I don't want to talk about Italy because you know it's the countries in which we are accustomed to have a scandal after the others. So first aspect, there has been much more corruptions. And these corruptions appeared as all the more indignating, producing indignations, the more the people on the other side were asked uh, to make sacrifices, to sacrifice themselves uh, because uh, of uh, the uh, common task of saving uh, uh, the capitalist uh, uh, system. So the idea of the Italian indignados uh, or I- Italian associations is there is a widespread corruption. It is not that uh, uh, the uh, political systems in the past were totally clean, but this type of uh, political corruptions, proper political corruptions, it spread a lot. But there is also in other forms of corruptions. Uh, in the Monti government, to remain with the same examples, about one-third of the ministers come uh, from past involvement in business, especially in the bank system. The bank system, which was the system uh, most responsible for the crisis. Uh, the, uh, Monti himself, uh, this type of uh, uh, professional path, but it is also more and more the case uh, that in the United States, as in Iceland, where the crisis emerged in 2008, uh, what the crisis um, brought into light was the uh, frequent overlappings of political and business uh, interest. The idea of neoliberalism as an ideology is that uh, uh, you need to reduce the power of the state Uh, in order to leave the market free to produce uh, 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 good outcomes. But what happened in reality with this neoliberal type of developments has been that the overlappings between uh, the economic and the political system grew stronger and stronger. So the idea was we split them, but the reality was uh, uh, they are uh, more and more intrinsically uh, related. In 2008, when the scandals uh, 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 erupted in Iceland, what emerged was, for instance, the power of uh, uh, what in Iceland they call the octopus, uh, which was uh, the, um, I say, a clique composed of bankers and leaders of political parties. What is the problem uh, with uh, this uh, uh, type of uh, uh, corruptions and the decline of trust? Political science, uh, social sciences have always stressed that some level of trust is necessary for a a political system uh, because citizens who do not trust their institutions uh, would not be willing uh, to accept to pay taxes, and they would evade taxes, or to uh, uh, respect their, uh, meet their uh, duties. True citizens uh, uh, should not uh, be considered as always deferent, 
But it is clear that some level of social and political trust is needed for the institutions to survive. Social movements of the years 2011 and 2012 have very strongly stressed this point. They have been criticizing uh, the uh, social inequalities, which have been increasing uh, due to austerity policies, but they have especially called for another democracy. Never like in 2011 and 2012, so many movements have uh, taken up uh, a word like democracies in their name. One of the main organizations of uh, the Spanish Indignados called uh, itself Democracia Real Ya, true democracy, real democracy now. And what this activist shows is something very fundamental for the critique of the existing democracy, but also for the proposal uh, of an alternative. Democracy is not a spectator sport. What these movements are suggesting is that faced to the decline uh, of liberal democracies, to the transformations in the neoliberal type of democracies, uh, one needs to go back to especially two dimensions uh, which were important in the legitimations of what uh, a political scientist Robert Dahl used to call really existing democracies. And this is a dimension of social citizenship, which true was never considered to be uh, a main definitional element of democracy, but in the legitimations of really existing democracy was extremely important with the development of welfare state and uh, a modicum of uh, uh, social protection for the citizens. But additionally, the other type of claim is the claim of another democracy, a real democracy, a democracy in which uh, the uh, people uh, can participate in. The Arab Spring, which started this wave of protest in 2011, has been considered as, uh, uh, at first, as a sort of uh, testimony uh, that representative democracy had became the domi dominant game in town. That uh, citizens were calling for freedom, which was a Western value. But what people were calling in, in Tahir Square and then uh, also in the other squares uh, uh, which made so much of the protest movements of 2011 and 2012 was not just Western freedom, but it was uh, a different types of, of democracies than the uh, one uh, represented in uh, our uh, European and uh, American continent. So protesters were uh, calling for a democracy which was not only representatives. When people went and go again and again in Tahrir Square in Egypt, they stressed the fact that democracy is not a spectator game, that democracy needs the participation of uh, uh, the citizens. And this was the message in Plaza del Sol in Madrid, in Plaza de Catalunya in Barcelona, uh, in many 
countries where this uh, movement uh, spread. Who was protesting in this protest? Uh, we've done a, a research on uh, uh, the protest events uh, in Italy in 2011. And these are quite challenging for social movement scholars. Social movement scholars have long thought that the movements who protest are mainly new social movements, uh, protesting on environment, women's issues, individual freedom, and so on. But the protest of 2011 and 2012 was very much a protest on social issues. The workers uh, were the main groups uh, who went into the street. Uh, precarious workers, uh, almost mobilized, notwithstanding uh, the difficulties in mobilizing when there is uh, uh, very little uh, uh, social and legal protection. But also the students or the migrants or the women uh, who uh, protested in Italy as elsewhere were uh, stressing very much the uh, need to bring back a social uh, dimensions in uh, democratic uh, development. And both labor demonstrations or peace demonstrations we have analyzed point especially at two main claims by these movements, participations and uh, uh, social type uh, of uh, policies. It is what uh, activists called a struggle for rights and democracy. The Italian uh, chapter of Real Democracy now stressed how much democracy is related with uh, social rights, like the rights to housing, work, culture, health, education, political participation, free personal developments, and computers uh, and consumers' rights. To this request uh, of rights, the response is a radicalization of the uh, neoliberal despise of any idea of uh, the state as protecting the right of uh, uh, the citizens. The most shocking image of the protest in Italy as in Spain against the austerity policies were the protests of uh, uh, disabled people uh, in uh, uh, risk their life going in front of the parliaments protesting against the cutting budget that uh, stopped uh, the possibilities for them to be cured. So it is a situation almost uh, of uh, pre-democratic uh, pre type of uh, conditions. And what is suggested by this protest is that uh, in order to restore a policies of rights, one uh, needs more participation of um, the citizens. So the Indignados movement, the protest against austerity in uh, uh, Italy, Spain, uh, Greece, Portugal, but also uh, even in Germany, France, or uh, the UK's countries which are apparently less hit uh, by the economic crisis, all bridge these two aspects. It is a problem of social inequalities, but it is also a problem uh, of uh, need to bring the citizens back. And I want 
almost to finish, uh, with two observations about why I think that these movements could indeed uh, introduce some opportunities uh, for saving democracies. Going a little bit also back to theories on uh, uh, trust and democracy. Very often, uh, one of the fears uh, about declining trust is that citizens become apathetic, uh, that uh, citizens become uh, unwilling to intervene in the public spheres and in politics. This was not the case in this type of protest. Indignados or uh, protesters anti-austerity uh, in Italy or uh, occupying movement in the United States, what they stressed mu even much more than previous movements is the rights of the normal people uh, uh, to take the floor uh, and uh, uh, push forward their uh, ideas and suggestions. So the rituals of these movements was very often that normal citizens stand up and said the reasons why he was uh, in, indignant with this system and he had decided to occupy the everyday stories of the everyday people. And this was reflected also in our surveys. While people mistrusted political institutions, they didn't mistrust themselves. So what uh, uh, they answered to our questions was that notwithstanding uh, uh, the little responsiveness uh, of institutions, they still thought that their participations could have an impact on the public policies, that organized group of citizens could have a lot of impact on public policies, and that this was all the most the case if people from different countries joined forces and participated in the protest. So it is almost paradoxical, but it is not only the result of our research, that this crisis uh, has not produced only mistrust in institutions, but also a very strong call uh, for uh, uh, participations of the people an inclusive call. Um, activists of previous movements said when they went into the squares of the Indignados, they found that their own role as leaders was not recognized because these were new people who uh, uh, took uh, up the floor, who participated. This, of course, had some uh, uh, problems in the continuity of the movements, but at the same time, this also represented a important and very widespread uh, socializations into politics of first-timers, of people who were not uh, uh, activists uh, before. And so this is the first aspect. Uh, this crisis is producing mistrust, but it is also producing very demanding uh, citizens uh, who want to participate and who believes that they can do this uh, starting from the occupations of the squares. They are putting forward an idea of democracies as participation of the people, but also an idea of democracies as discussion among the people, something which was already there 
in the global justice movement of the beginning of the year 2000s. But it's even more uh, there in recent movement. It's the idea uh, that uh, uh, all the people can find better solutions uh, if uh, they find uh, free spaces, public spaces, uh, in which they can meet and talk. And this is what they did occupying the squares. Uh, images are often very telling. If you look at um, covers of books on protest, you see that uh, since 2011, what is more and more put uh, on this coverage are uh, pictures of squares, not so much of streets. Pictures of uh, these places uh, in which uh, people went from Tahir Square, but also before in 2008, uh, the place in front of the parliament in uh, Reykjavik. Uh, and they not only protested by obstructing traffic and so on, but also took the square in order to reconquer uh, their right to be in uh, a public place which was considered as less and less available, not only in dictatorship like in the Arab uh, world, but also in uh, uh, democracies like in Europe or the United States. There is another aspect which I think is uh, important uh, when uh, reflecting on the potentials of these movements to change democracies. Movements could say, uh, uh, or people who are mistrustful of institutions could say we withdraw from politics. If they don't trust politicians because they are corrupted, they could say uh, we don't want power to the public. This is not what happened with uh, the protest. Uh, I've studied, we have studied uh, also uh, with uh, the groups in the LSE. What protesters tend to say uh, is uh, much more than uh, that they want to strengthen political institutions. So the problem is not seen in uh, corruption as related to uh, power to the state, but the problem is conceived uh, as uh, corruption related to a retreat of the state, to a retreat of uh, the public and politics. That is uh, related with what uh, Colin Crouch called, call, as I said, the post-democracies who are no longer able uh, to do things that they could do quite well uh, in the past. And what is interesting is that even with some difference between the protesters of the labor demonstrations and the protesters of the peace demonstrations, but usually people thought that in order to address the economic crisis, you need to build new institutions, uh, new political institutions at the local, national, and transnational and global level. So uh, a strong search for politics in a world in which neoliberal ideology had said politics is bad. And uh, this summarizing is what this movement tend uh, to uh, uh, call for. They say the squares belong to us and they are the location of a new communitarians and participatory forms of democracies. The squares are uh, inclusive, equal, horizontal. 
they uh, uh, express the search for the public good, the search for dialogue, the search for a space in which good citizens can uh, be uh, created, and diversity is uh, uh, accepted. So we have a sort of polarizations, institutions which goes more and more in the directions of uh, mistrusting the citizens and telling them uh, you have to trust uh, politicians, technicians. And on the other side, uh, citizens who say we want to participate how now more than ever. What is then the challenge uh, for the existing model of democracy? Uh, is the realizations of the real democracy? And uh, it is, uh, I, I return a bit to political theory, it is ne the need to change institutions blending, bridging different models of democracy uh, into a recognition of the fact that uh, if not mistrustful critical citizens could be a resource uh, rather than uh, a danger for democracy but that in order to really exploit the resources coming from the citizens one need to change the institutions. One need to change the institutions in the neoliberal trends in which they uh, have done in the last uh, 20 years or so. But one needs also to uh, change from a liberal model uh, into a more participatory and deliberative one. Charles Tilly, an historian uh, and uh, a sociologist uh, who has uh, contributed a lot on research on uh, social movements and the constructions of the nation states, talked of the importance of a contingent consensus. So not different uh, citizens uh, who uh, uh, obey what the government says and uh, uh, trust the uh, governors in principle, uh, but uh, citizens uh, who uh, uh, bring in a contingent forms uh, of consensus to the rulers, uh, maintaining their rights to control the rulers and especially to make uh, proposals. Concluding, what one needs to do is, I think, to take seriously a reflection by a French sociologist Pierre Rosan Vallon, who in his book called Counter Democracies said some important things. One was democracies as we have known them are not just representative and are not just majoritarian, but because of the pressure from below, they always had to introduce elements of participation and deliberation in this, and we have to defend these uh, elements. But Rosan Valloni is also saying democracies have changed in recent periods because uh, uh, the uh, institutions of representations and electoral accountabilities have lost legitimacy and have lost trust. Uh, these institutions cannot reconquer the trust of the citizens if they are not transformed in depth 
through the introductions of uh, uh, elements of participations and deliberation in them. So what Rosanne Vallon wrote, and I think uh, it is an important way to address the issues of can democracy be saved, is that starting from the observations that there is mistrust, growing mistrust, critical citizens, if mistrust is the disease, it might be part of the cure as well, as a complex assortment of practical measures, checks and balances, and informal as well as institutional counterpowers, has evolved in order to compensate for the erosions of confidence and to do so by organizing this trust. So I think the solutions to save democracy uh, is uh, uh, in the building of institutions which do not need to be only the representative institutions like parliament and governments, but could be institutions of uh, uh, participatory democracy everywhere in the societies, uh, which could transform uh, uh, the mistrust into uh, a resource, which could give uh, more uh, voice uh, to the citizens. And maybe uh, this voice uh, would uh, be important also in addressing an economic crisis, which is presented uh, as uh, a sort of uh, unavoidable uh, development in uh, capitalist societies, but which has some uh, specific responsibilities, uh, which maybe citizens can help to single out and overcome. Thank you. Thank you very much for that wonderful talk. I mean, it's a, a sweeping range of issues dealing with normative questions about political theory through to inferences from empirical studies about social movements. Um, as, is, excuse me, as is usual, we'll just throw the, uh, the uh, meeting open to the floor. Can I just get an indication of any questions? Let's start with that gentleman at the back. Just please wait until a person brings you a microphone. Um, well, thank you very much. This was a wonderful talk and a wonderful defense uh, of participation. Um, I am wondering uh, whether uh, your uh, normative uh, challenge uh, of neoliberalism is not blinding you from finding an ally uh, where there seems that there isn't one. Uh, and I am referring uh, to uh, bond investors. Um, so... Uh, one potential perspective is that uh, neoliberalism um, killed democracy. But one interesting paradox is that, um, you know, if you follow, for example, as you do the events in Spain, uh, one of the first reactions to the uh, corruption scandal was that the uh, spread went up. Um, similarly in Spain, I am Spanish, uh, similarly in Spain, um, Whenever the government lied about the toxic assets uh, in the banks, um, the spread went up. Um, so um, whom do I look for some clarity as to whether the government is lying to me about the accounts of the banks? Well, I find uh, that investors, uh, more often than not, um, have, a, have a good eye on what's going on. So. Um, 
you know, one way to think about participation is, of course, um, walking on, you know, going to a, to a square, and, and that is important. But another form of participation is um, selling your bonds uh, of the government that you no longer trust. So I wonder whether, um, you know, one, you could perhaps uh, advance your uh, perspective on organized dissent by including the sphere of the economy and um, investors as well as voters. Okay. Not an easy task, <laughs> but uh, it is true that uh, uh, this de recent development have brought about an incredible amount of uh, uh, claims uh, from unusual uh, classes, unusual to protest and unusual to criticize uh, uh, some types of politics. Um, when we went to one of these demonstrations, we noticed huge amounts of participation by bankers, which are not the traditional blue-collar workers. Uh, there is participations by, I was once in Spain uh, uh, at uh, a protest event uh, in which hairdressers were there in mass uh, because the new law imposed them to pay taxes even if they just a small shop, if they uh, uh, listen to music and so on. So the, there is a growing uh, of uh, uh, dissatisfactions in very different groups. The last, uh, at least until this morning, I didn't read the Italian newspapers, could be there is another one, but the last scandals until this morning's uh, involved the Monte dei Paschi, which is one of the biggest bank in Italy. And there as well, of course, this uh, uh, type of corruption uh, means that also part of uh, uh, the investors uh, are uh, hit. I, I think he, he, in order to address the issues of how much investors can do, one has to see also uh, what is the voice they have uh, in this time. So the, there is uh, uh, something which has been done by the, by the movements a lot in uh, uh, the United States. There is uh, an example of uh, uh, customers of banks uh, who uh, decided to quit the big banks and to go uh, into small banks uh, when uh, the big banks decided to impose an extra taxes. So I think that there are uh, this type of uh, instances uh, and um, this broadening of uh, the groups who are dissatisfied. Of course, markets uh, have uh, very different groups in them. So uh, uh, investors have different types of uh, rationality and the um, moving of the spread, which uh, is a word we as Southern European use a lot, but I discover it's not very much used in other countries, uh, uh, is uh, uh, the results of all these different rationalities. But I think your idea is right, and I think we will see more of this. Okay, um, let's see who else. Um, this woman at the back here, please. Hi, I think you mentioned um, neoliberal democracy, which I found slightly oxymoronic. And, I, and in talking about Iceland, I think you said that there was, in some sense, a duality between the economic and the political. And if I understood you correctly, you find that cynicism, mistrust um, in social movements comes from the merging of the economic and political sphere. And so in that sense, 
I would ask you, isn't it actually kind of um, more of a triumph of what Polanyi called the commodity fiction? And so in that sense, we should be really focusing on unveiling that fiction as opposed to perpetuating it as a reality? It, it is an ideology, uh, and as an ideology, it has a level of fiction, and this is why I said the ideology of neoliberalism uh, is the idea that you free the market, and in reality, instead, what is happening is uh, uh, that uh, uh, you need politics to develop those type of neoliberal policies. Uh, the idea to define this trend in democracy as uh, new transformations into neoliberal democracy comes came to me from my colleague uh, Colin Crouch, who said post-democracy are the political expression of neoliberalism in the sense that uh, they are uh, the political effects of the transformations introduced by these policies. So uh, neoliberalism is uh, um, conceptions of, uh, uh, which affect different policies, and as such, uh, it affects also uh, the meta-conceptions of uh, what a democracy should be. Colin Crouch said one of these transformations is mistrust in the citizens. So it's uh, the conceptions uh, uh, that uh, politics is like a market, that politicians has, have to do kind of marketing, uh, um, singling out what the citizens uh, want uh, through opinion polls, but also influencing what the pe people want through publicity and so on. And so in, in this sense, I think that uh, uh, one could talk of a, uh, a neoliberal democracies as a, a development of uh, a, an ideology uh, which includes also conceptions on the meta issues of democracy. So not only of the single policies, but also on the meta issues of democracy. Okay. Um, can we have uh, this, this man at the back here with his hand up? Could we consider perhaps a more historical context to this? Is it possible that what we've been seeing in the last few years is, the last five years, let's say, since the financial crisis started, is no more than a response, which may well be actually very positive, but my personal view is that it is and, and has perhaps profound uh, potential in it, but may be fundamentally, uh, causally, no more than a response to the decline in economic growth the increase in unemployment, the financial crisis itself. So that for many years after the war, the citizens of Europe saw living standards growing steadily, inequality declining and so forth. Perhaps, therefore, participatory democracy wasn't as exciting, didn't seem as necessary. There's been a reaction to that. Uh, who knows what the future will bring? Uh, it, it may be, and the, the more optimistic view might be that this participatory democracy will continue after the crisis which brought it about, has been solved, but, but, but I wonder if that's so, uh, and I wonder whether there would be the, the appetite uh, among the participants for that. It's difficult to predict. This is why I didn't want to give a clear answer to the questions, can democracy be saved? 
think it is true that uh, uh, the developments nowadays uh, uh, come from uh, uh, previous uh, histories uh, and uh, developments in the different countries. Uh, this country uh, was particularly important uh, uh, with the uh, Thatcher reform in introducing the ideas that that type of growth uh, could not be continued. The uh, situation nowadays, I think, uh, is influenced by specific uh, political choice. So I tend to resist to the idea that it is uh, a sort of uh, unavoidable uh, development uh, uh, given a sort of, um, there have been various explanations, demography, uh, transformations of the relations between the north and the south of the world, uh, and so on, which made those models of welfare states uh, uh, impossible uh, uh, to sustain. Uh, my impression is that models of uh, welfare have always been transformed, uh, but at what uh, happened due also to um, big uh, uh, transformations uh, in the world like uh, 1989, the end of an alternative model uh, uh, which had proved uh, its failure, uh, has been uh, the uh, development of specific policies. So uh, not the market which uh, uh, developed on its own in these directions, but specific choices uh, which have been made and which I think, especially now, continue to be made notwithstanding proof uh, of their failure to address uh, economic crisis. It could be because I grew up with Keynes type of uh, uh, economics. But uh, uh, the impression is that Keynes was right, that, uh, uh, at least in part, that what's happening nowadays uh, with uh, uh, policies uh, of uh, privatizations, liberalizations, and so on, is an increase in the economic crisis. So the economic crisis, I would say, doesn't come only from the market, but it comes from the uh, politics uh, and policies which have been uh, put forward in, uh, in uh, uh, recent years. In Greece, in Spain, in Italy, the major crisis happened after austerity policies have been introduced. Uh, austerity policies have increased the uh, economic uh, problems. So I think that uh, this is uh, important. Okay, thank you. Can we have this gentleman down front just wait for the microphone and then after him, um, uh, this gentleman at the back. Thank you, John Strafford. Um, <clears throat> I think your talk was fascinating, but I think that you've totally underestimated the power of the vested interests in the status quo. And you've totally underestimated what is going to be required to change that. When Maria Monte talks about trading, uh, <coughs> trusting the banks rather than parliament, uh, sorry, trusting the markets rather than parliament, um, if he'd left it to the markets, the banks would have gone bust. And the fat cat bankers that are running the banks would have gone bust too. But he didn't leave it to the markets. What he was really saying was actually leave it to the financial political elite 
that are now running these countries. And they are very, very powerful uh, vested interests. And in order to change that, you've almost got to have a revolution. Uh, and I think it was Samuel Huffington in the Clash of Civilizations said that uh, you only get a revolution when the proportion of the electorate uh, of the age group 15 to 24 reaches 20 percent. Um, uh, otherwise, it doesn't happen. Don't you think that that's the only way we'll be able to change this uh, vested interest? Because otherwise, I can't see what you're putting forward ever happening. For uh, uh, 2011, there was a talk of revolution, revolutions which no longer take the form uh, of um, uh, armed uh, assault to the palace of powers, but take uh, other type of forms which sometimes are effective uh, even in uh, um, very powerful. 2011 was a year uh, in which not only there was the Arab Spring, with, which has shown at least that people could uh, take uh, the squares even in authoritarian countries, but there were also a lot of victories uh, of social movements. For instance, in Italy, there was a referendum uh, on privatization of water, which unexpectedly not only uh, reach the quorum, which is not e easy in uh, Italy to reach, but also uh, uh, got about 94% of the votes of the citizens against privatizations. This could be uh, small symbolic victories, uh, which indeed needed to be defended a lot in the implementation. But they have shown some capacity of uh, um, doing revolutions uh, also without taking uh, uh, guns, which uh, I think surprised the world. So when uh, uh, people went into Tahir Square or uh, in Tunisia, neither the organizers uh, nor the police uh, did expect incredible turnout of the people. Invested interests are there. Uh, uh, capitalist interests have been always stronger than uh, the labor, but these notwithstanding uh, collective organizations and actions by the citizens have been sometimes able to uh, um, win unexpected victories. And uh, I'm, I'm not predicting this, that these movements could save uh, uh, democracy and the world. But what you mentioned, generation, is very important. In fact, one of uh, uh, the uh, aspects which depressed social movements uh, uh, in uh, the 80s and the 90s was that the lack of uh, protest as transformative events had an effect in creating generations which were uh, more passive, more uh, apathetic. While uh, uh, these mobilizations uh, and the mobilizations of 2001-2002 have produced generations uh, uh, which tend to keep uh, uh, different values alive. And I think that this is important. Maybe 
subtle uh, 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 revolutions. Okay, uh, this this um, um, I'm going to be very very short. People you just speak a little bit louder, please. I am going to be very very short. People often complain about institutions, but institutions behave in harmony with human nature. And since institutions are constructed and structured by humans, they will inevitably behave according to the nature of human beings, unless the only real changes, I would argue, is if there is some other species other than Homo sapiens to run these institutions, which is very, very improbable. I would also like to say to point out a famous quote by Tolstoy in his novel, Anna Karina, where he says that all happy families are happy in their own way, and all unhappy families are unhappy in their own way. I would like to say that all successful institutions are successful in their own way, and all corrupted institutions are corrupted in their own way, because corruptions varied from Corruptions vary from institutions to institutions, and success varies from institutions to institutions. Okay. Thank you. I think it is true institutions are made by people, but they are also very important in making people, in the sense not on imposing values, but in facilitating uh, uh, different in, uh, developments among the individuals. Uh, bad institutions tend to produce uh, uh, people who are less trustful in their possibilities uh, uh, to take the destiny into their hands uh, and uh, uh, less uh, um, capable of uh, thinking about public good. Okay, there's a, a forest of um, hands belonging to blokes and no non-bloke hands. So if there are any non-bloke questions in the audience, please feel free to put your hand up. But um, in the, can I have this gentleman over here? Hi there. Um, thank you for a brilliant talk. Um, your talk did focus, uh, tend to focus more on sort of mainland Europe. And I was wondering whether you identified any differences between Britain and mainland Europe. And I only ask because uh, it seems to me, I mean, I've, I, the, the declining voter numbers um, and the fact that, you know, even stuff like the Occupy protest tended to strike me as more of a niche protest rather than a massive popular one. And I was wondering, you know, whether you think that there is more of a sense of apathy sort of in this country than possibly on the mainland Europe? I think that contrary to the wave of protest uh, of the beginning of the millennium, so the global justice movement which spread, uh, um, there was a sort of scale shift from uh, uh, the global into the local this wave of protest on uh, austerity crisis have followed very much uh, the timing and characteristics of the crisis. Uh, and so this is, I think, the reasons for more differences uh, among the different countries. Uh, 
The protest started in Iceland uh, uh, in 2008, then moved to Spain, where the crisis was development, developing, then went to Greece. Uh, Italy took also into the streets, even if with other forms than the acampadas that, uh, uh, of uh, the indignados. But they were less widespread in uh, uh, countries in which the economic and financial crisis had taken other forms. So in all countries, there has been a growth in inequalities. Uh, but the uh, degree of poverty, misery, uh, uh, really um, transformations of individual lives, uh, which you find in southern Europe and especially in Spain, uh, in Spain and in Greece, has not hit all the countries uh, uh, in the same ways. Also, uh, the crisis had characteristics which differed uh, in different countries in terms of uh, private debt versus public debt. So, uh, if which which one was mainly the problem in terms of uh, debt towards the domestic market or debt towards the uh, international market. I think all this has made for um, uh, uh, more of an impact of the national characteristics on the movements. And so, in fact, in Germany, in the UK, uh, in France, these movements were... Uh, uh, less present in Ireland, it was more in the form of labor protest. In Portugal, they started later than in Spain. Uh, in uh, Italy, as I mentioned, they took different characteristics. So I think that also the very characteristics of the crisis have an impact on in differentiating the characteristic of the protest. I, uh, there is a tendency to see apathy always in periods of um, um, doldrums uh, of mobilizations, not on the peak, but on the low ebb uh, of mobilizations. But maybe even in these countries, one should look at what Mary Calder calls subterranean uh, politics, so the ways in which uh, uh, protest develops in less visible forms, not in uh, camping out in the squares, even though there were this type of protest here as well, but in a growing dissatisfaction, which may be as still to find uh, uh, channels of mobilization. Okay. Um, uh, can we have this woman at the front, please? <laughs> Yes, no, Mary. Both to increase the gender, but also to say something about the study we did together, mm. which is that I'm not actually sure it is the case there was less in the UK and Germany. I mean, what we found was what is true is they were less visible. <laughs> and what the crisis does is to make demonstrations much more visible. So actually, you know, we had UK Uncut, we had the students' movement, and in Germany they had all these protests against the train stations, and, you know, and also they, had they did have occupations in Frankfurt and other places, but they somehow were less visible, and I think that was a really key point that came out of it all. 
And I think, you know, what we struck us was that if you look at, I'm using Donatella's work too, at the mobilization over the last 10 decade, um, the period of the 90s was a period of very low mobilization, but the last, over the last decade, there's been a lot of social mobilization. It just isn't, doesn't appear in the mainstream media. Yes, no, this is for sure the case, I agree. Uh, in, um, also, when mobilization exploded in uh, countries like Egypt or Tunisia or in 1989 in Poland on, or in the GDR, uh, the impression was that it was so sudden, that there was nothing before. Uh, so in social movement studies, one often talk of uh, the myth of the Virgin Mary, the, or, uh, the uh, immaculate conceptions, the uh, impression that when a cycle of protest emerged, it emerged out of nowhere. But as probably with the myth of the Virgin Mary, when one looks at it more carefully, uh, there are fathers and mothers who are involved in the development of these movements. What is true, and what they did, we, we don't want to investigate, but what is true is also uh, that uh, the characteristics of this moment of visibility are uh, the capacity to bring in new people. Uh, they, in fact, there is always this element protesters, uh, uh, scholars, the police, the, the politicians said, what, how could that happen? Uh, uh, nobody expected uh, a million people to occupy Tahir or two million people uh, uh, to try to enter in Plaza del Sol. Because there are also transformative effects uh, related to these specific events. Uh, they changed uh, the uh, perceptions of the people of their own capacities. And in interviews, often people say, I couldn't stay away from that place once uh, uh, the others went, once my brothers went, uh, my children went, and I wanted to be with, with them. Uh, and this is a, a dimension which I think social movement studies have not look at uh, um, very much but which emerged also quite evident in the global justice movement. Events are created by organizational resources, motivations by the people, but they also do create resources and uh, motivation. They transform the people. Okay, can I just get an indication of how many people want to ask questions? Um, because we're so, so could we just have... Um these three people in a row here. Um, yes, yeah, start with that gentleman next to you, and then straight after him, these two, uh, the bloke on the other side, and this one. And then we'll have another round up there. You, uh, in your talk, you emphasised the use of physical <coughs> space by um, during the Arab Spring and by the Indignados and Occupy, but also cyberspace played an important role in these movements. And I'd like to hear what you think about social media as a space for democratic discussion and a space for movements organisation and the role this can play with coordinating with physical demonstrations. Okay, so if you could just take a note of yes. that point, and, and this man in the grey. Yes. Thank you. Um, 
just to, to come back on your point about uh, the fact that there was a strong call for strengthening uh, institutions that you mentioned um, at the end of your talk, um, can't we also acknowledge that in light of the tremendous shock that hit um, all economies or all democracies, all institutions have done relatively well? Of course, they've been put into question um, more severely in southern European countries, but they're still there, uh, and they, some adjustments may be required in the future, but isn't there something also um, that tells us that they are intrinsically strong? Okay, and last, uh, who, this person here, yep. Hi, uh, there is this increasing movement in Italy, which is uh, the Movimento Cinque Stelle, I'd just uh, like to hear something from you since you're Italian and uh, about this movement. Okay, so don't feel you have to answer every aspect of all those questions. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Start with the social media. Uh, social media very important, and what was also important was uh, the change in uh, the uh, new media. In uh, 2001, uh, uh, the European Social Forums, the Countess Summits, used Web 1.0, which uh, still gave uh, uh, quite uh, relevance to the organizations. You needed webmasters to organize websites and so on. These new movements uh, uh, are much more participatory in a way because the new social media of Web 2.0 uh, uh, allow individuals to participate much more. You cannot open a website, uh, uh, but you can uh, have a blog, tweet, uh, uh, Facebook, and so on. This was a strength and a weakness, in, in a way. On the one hand, uh, it allowed people to participate spread information, it had an important logistic value in uh, avoiding repression by uh, the police and in getting new generation involved uh, in, uh, in the movement. But on the other hand, uh, it also created cleavages because uh, these movements uh, uh, claimed to, re, um, to want to reappropriate a public space. So not being just virtual type of movements, uh, but uh, uh, um, transforming uh, a neoliberal conceptions of the space uh, as privatized and uh, civilized. Uh, but at the same time, they uh, used uh, virtual means. They... Uh, Arab Spring was successfully immobilizing because protesters decided uh, that they didn't want just to call for uh, uh, mobilizations uh, uh, on uh, the uh, new social media, but they physically went into the periphery of Cairo. Uh, and the same is true also in Madrid, in uh, Spain, uh, in Greece. Uh, old media did not substitute, uh, new media did not substitute the, uh, the old one, but the cleavage was also there because, uh, for instance, uh, in the occupations of occupying, the type of people who were occupying, uh, spending days and nights on the streets, 
uh, at different visions and sometimes different claims uh, than those who participated uh, virtually. And also a characteristic of the Web2 type of mobilizations is a very strong capacity to grow uh, strong uh, in a very short time, but also decline. I remember uh, Craig Calhoun in the presentation I heard, thanks to the new media, uh, uh, was uh, um, stressing the importance also of organizations, uh, even if the type of organizational format change in uh, uh, time. These movements show at the same time that you can develop different types of organizations but also that uh, uh, um, sometimes the fact that the occupation itself became not only a form of actions, but the essence, the very essence of the movement, um, weakened its capacity to uh, uh, con continue, uh, at least in a visible way, became more subterranean uh, there as well. Insti institutions uh, uh, strong, to a certain extent, uh, um, yes, in the, sen in the sense that uh, you don't see real revolutions going on, but you see challenge to these institutions in the rise of new uh, parties uh, in Greece. Uh, Syriza is probably going to win the next uh, election, which is uh, uh, something which challenged the previous institutions and the uh, ideas that this is the only solution for Greece. And this brings me to the other questions of Movimento Cinque Stelle. In uh, Italy, 5% of people's uh, citizens who trust political parties also mean that there is uh, an um, availability of uh, electors who are uh, uh, willing and, uh, uh, to follow different parties. In Germany, similar to the Movimento Cinque Stelle, uh, is the uh, Piratenpartei. So you see the emergence of new parties. And this emergence could have uh, a positive participatory side, but also there I think it's uh, is experimentations with new uh, forms of democracies, uh, which is very often uh, less than optimal. So for the Movimento Cinque Stelle, the uh, uh, main problems in terms of uh, participatory democracies and internal democracies, which emerges also from internal criti criticism in the movement, uh, is the uh, large role of the leader and the sort of personalized leadership. At the same time, however, uh, it is Astonishing, another example of uh, the difficulties of social sciences to predict important change. Uh, the fact that uh, this Movimento Cinque Stelle, which was founded uh, uh, a little more than a year ago, has reached now 15% uh, uh, in the opinion polls. It was even higher, 18%. And this represents another uh, challenge to existing institutions with the difficulties uh, to, uh, uh, however, to integrate these new parties uh, uh, in uh, uh, the <coughs> existing institutions, so still a challenge. 
Okay, now we're basically out of time, so we have to be super quick. Um, but uh, there, there was a woman at the very back. Um, did you want to ask a question? No, you didn't. Um, Hilary Wainwright, and then there was a gentleman over there. Did that person... Oh, there's a woman here. Okay, so let's have, let's have, let's have three super quick questions. Um, Hillary, that gentleman, and my colleague. Okay. Well, I was first just wanting to change the gender balance. But anyway, I, my question is really building on your um, point about citizens insisting on demanding greater participation. Have you sort of seen a pattern of uh, increasing sort of creation of new forms? You know, that when you observed a demonstration in Barcelona where it ended not with speeches making demands on the political system but people creating a garden, people going off to occupy houses, people going off to to surround a hospital and I just wonder whether that emphasis on creating change in the here and now, not just in the squares but beyond the squares, whether your research has been able to begin to map that process and therefore uh, see what the sort of lasting reverberations are of the uh, movements. Okay, so notes. Yes. Um, uh, Is the the programme, as it were, that's proposed by leaderful, horizontalist, deliberative movements, is the programme, as it were, the movement itself and how it does politics or will a political program of some substantive form emerge from the movement and its way of doing politics? So this is John Shellcroft. I apologise that I can't see this far up the back so I couldn't identify you and at least I can see this far to see my colleague in the front seats. Yes, my question was about the element of the global in your research. I know this is particularly difficult to get at, the question of consciousness through surveys and everything. But to me, it seems like there was a specter of comparison, some cross-fertilization, inspiration, uh, especially Tahir has been in this room uh, all night. So I'm wondering if you had a chance to observe anything about... Um, any kind of global sense of democracy or global understandings of democracy if you could, because you've been involved also with the global justice movements. I'm just c- curious how the two uh, periods, 2001, let's say, and 2011, compare in that respect. Okay, now we are over, so we do need to, um, I don't know, rapid thank fire you for, Thank you for this note, because it allows me not to answer too difficult questions, but, or to ask, answer very short. Um, changes, Hilary. Uh, there is uh, uh, each new wave of protest brings in uh, new forms of protest, uh, and in these movements there have been also a sort of... Um, uh, re-elaborations of past forms, but also the invention of new ones. Uh, especially new social groups tend to bring in also a new type of uh, protest. And the creating chi- change here and now is, for instance, expressed uh, in the attempt to also solve or address the dramatic needs of many of these people uh, through the creation of uh, new forms of uh, community 
development. We had already noticed in previous movements that uh, movements uh, activists uh, are not satisfied with just going into the street. They find it a little bit boring when it is just the same uh, demonstrations, the same uh, sitting repeated uh, again and again. From the Acampada, which is not totally new, it's always uh, re-elaborations, uh, to the long marches, uh, uh, to uh, the uh, creations of uh, forms of exchange uh, instead than the economy uh, uh, based on money. I think that there, is, there has been a um, development of these forms, visible and, and uh, less visible uh, as well. The programs in many of these uh, uh, movements, one of the forms used in the squares uh, was to list proposals, was to, uh, and this was something which happened already in 2001 with the social forums and so on. These are movements which are extremely pragmatic in comparison with the movements we studied in the 70s. Uh, 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 and uh, uh, so the attempt to put forward uh, a long list of uh, suggestions uh, uh, going from the boycott of specific banks uh, 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 to uh, really um, small and big suggestions is uh, relevant. And I don't think it is just for the movements, because the movements exist less and less. No? In the Indignato, the slogan is we are the 99%. It doesn't mean that the 99% were in the squares, but it means that there is uh, uh, the development of norms of inclusivity, which brings also about the idea we don't have the solutions which comes from our ideology. We see that there are a lot of um, contradictions inside the class, uh, as uh, Max used to say. But in contradictions inside the 99%, uh, but dialogue, so discursive forms of democracies, are important in order to try uh, to find out solutions. And, and these movements, I think, have been creative. The main problem is how to implement this, because given the La, uh, mistrust in the institutions and given institutions that as uh, Colin Crouch uh, uh, um, mentioned in his most recent book strangely survive their own crisis uh, uh, of course implementing uh, uh, programs is uh, even pragmatic ones is uh, difficult and the last words on uh, uh, the global and cosmopolitans there, there is a difference I noticed uh, with the global justice movement that started cosmopolitan and uh, uh, terms used in social movement studies is scale shift, scale shift downwards. So starting with the, the idea of a global crisis and the uh, a need for global uh, solutions. In these movements there is uh, an understanding that the crisis is uh, global, but the expressions of this crisis uh, differ. Uh, some countries uh, became stronger with the crisis, see Germany. Uh, some countries uh, 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 became much weaker, uh, read Greece, uh, for instance. And this creates also the need 
for some reflection on the specific national characteristics. There has been nevertheless an inclusive vision, so the attempt uh, to link with other countries. The flag of Iceland, which I think was almost unknown uh, 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 before uh, 2008, was very important. Tahir squares were created not only here, but also uh, in all uh, uh, these protests. So there was an attempt to uh, say uh, uh, we belong to, uh, to the same uh, people. And uh, not by chance, this attempt was challenged by the authorities. Uh, we always tended to say, we are not like the Greek, we are not like uh, uh, the Egyptians, and so on. So I would say there is the building up of cosmopolitan visions, but it is more bottom-up than it was in the previous Okay, well, thank you very much for a, for a wonderful talk. I mean, you know, you, you've not just begun, I think, with, with the observation that representative liberal democracies are under threat, under threat from lack of trust, from the octopus of political corruption, but also the overweening power of markets. But it seems to me you've gone on to offer us with a, a prescription, a prescription which was not simply to defend these existing institutions, but to embrace, in a sense, the critique of them, especially the critique from social movements, and to move in a radical direction towards a different kind of democracy, one that's participatory and deliberative. I, I think you've, you've, um, you've offered the kind of careful but ambitious analysis that we so sorely need, and to see um, what's at stake, one only has to think of the last time that we confronted a period with the loss of trust in democratic institutions in the 1930s. So thank you very, very much. Um, can you join me? Thank you.